Toasties. I'm Missy, here with my bestie Johnsy. Hey y'all. And welcome to our Toasted Shenanigans. How you doing over there? Oh, I'm doing. How are you? Tired. <laughs> Same. I'm so tired. Life is hard right now. <laughs> it's always That's hard. So... <laughs> I was, uh, why does it seem though like lately it has been like on on like level one million though? I don't know to be honest like, but it does anybody any other toasties out there having this like life just seems like it's on a million and you know tomorrow is a full moon and it's gonna be an aries so all you aries placements i'm i'm sorry although by the time you guys are getting this it's gonna be sunday and that full moon's gonna be over so this is a, a post apology <laughs> <laughs> because you guys are gonna be just brutal on on friday mm. past friday now and also libra apparently also the moon is gonna be square or the other moon and mars are gonna be squaring up suppose mercury M fuck one of those i forgot now they're about to square up so that's gonna cause a lot of other intense energies that are gonna be happening and i just think it's really unfair that we have two like full moons that are coming about like the one in September and then this one that are just going to be caught. Well, these are two in September. What the fuck? And they're going to be both like detrimental to everybody. Because the last full moon, I was feeling it. I've been I was feeling the whole month. <laughs> oh, yeah. September's almost over. It's almost October. Well, as of now, you guys again listening to this, it is October. October 1st. How awesome is that? Welcome to the official spooky month. It's always spooky month. It's always spooky month. It's us. always spooky month. Always. What you sipping what on? What you drink? Hey. Ah, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, sipping on a, a a Moscato, but not barefoot. Oh. Um, It's Winking Owl. Okay, I like their stuff. That's from Aldi, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's from Aldi. It's actually a rated, it's a high rated, like, um, Moscato. I think all their wines, honestly, were rated kind of at a high level. Yeah, they it are. ended up with, like, in a, it was, like, rated, it was, like, in a magazine or something. My sister was telling me. She's like, oh, my gosh, Winking Owl's in a, a top rated for, like, the price point and the quality. Yeah. A lot yeah. of their stuff, I actually like some um, more than Barefoot stuff. Yeah, but it's not bad. I like it, and I was shopping and I bought it. So, although I have a bunch of um, meads in my fridge again, <laughs> and I just I just went up there the other day. I can't remember when it was. <laughs> it's okay. I think it was Thursday. I think it was a Thursday. Maybe it wasn't a Thursday. It was a Friday. Either way, either way, was it was there. a day. <laughs> It was a day, and I was up there, and it was it was fine. It was good. And he has his uh, little mead festival thingy coming up soon. So. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'll be there. So, Toasties, if you want to come see me, <laughs> I'll be wearing the Toasties shenanigans hoodie. <laughs> Anyways, what are you sipping on? I'm sipping on just water over here. Got a little bit of a, oh. a tummy bug. So Yeah, you poor thing. Yeah, I'm constantly <laughs> sick recently, so... Ah, you have been. Just the story of my life lately. Yeah. It is 
I'm so sorry. I feel I feel so bad. Maybe you gotta you gotta take a page out of Jackson's book and just start eating dirt. What? <laughs> what? I was I was joking like about how like all of a sudden he's like never sick. Mm-hmm. Knock on wood. Actually, no, don't knock on wood. Did you guys know that knocking on wood is actually complete opposite of what you're trying to do? You're actually summoning demons every time you knock on wood to try to, you know, huh. good luck, whatever. Yeah, it's actually that. summoning. Yeah. So, um, during like COVID lockdown and stuff like that, um, we were outside and he was like always playing in the dirt and his hands are all filthy and gross all the damn time. But he's also a thumb sucker Mm -hmm. and he just like, he doesn't do it like he, he doesn't do it now like he did then. Um, but, like, he'd have his gross, filthy hands, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'd look over, and, like, he'd have his thumb in his mouth. <laughs> I'm like, you got dirt all over your hands. Why is your thumb in your mouth? And then, like, well, another time when we were outside, because he was, I tried to keep him outside as much as possible. And he just, like, walked up to a bush and just bit a leaf off of it and walked away. What the hell? And he, took a, he took a few steps and just, like, spat it out. And he's like, that was gross. I'm like, dude, it was a bush. What did you expect? <laughs> like, did you expect it to taste good? The curiosity of a of a boy. I mean, he's like a kid in general, not just a boy. I, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, now this was like a few years ago, obviously, because like I said, it was during like the lockout lockdown time, and I'd like to, I'd like to think he's not gonna just shove dirt and leaves in his mouth anymore. But you never know. He was doing. You never know. He was. I mean, today on the practice field he was playing with mud and that was like clay like so he was like molding it and stuff like that because he had a hit a head injury mm. so he can't play he can't play right now because he can't get his helmet on because of the head injury um he's okay but uh so he had to like we're at practice still and he's like sitting on the side to like still watch but he's not watching it, of course because focusing because it's jackson is a challenge yeah, <laughs> so he's playing—he's playing like a ball of whack, uh, not ball of whack, a ball of clay that he grabbed out of the dirt. Because you know we have—we don't have dirt here; we have clay. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the boys, I'm like, "What are you playing with?" And I'm like, "Where'd you get clay from?" And I took it away from him. I'm like, "Stop digging in the dirt!" And the one of the kids is like, "He spit it in his hand <laughs> to make to make it all like that." I'm like, "Oh my god." He- is his father's son just saying oh gosh <laughs> needless to say i took like three more three more clumps of clay away from him after that conversation of course he did because he went and got uh, he had to get more <laughs> as he was he was more filthy today at practice than any than actually ever practicing i just want to i, I believe it because he was playing with clay i totally believe it <sighs> He's so cute, though. <laughs> he is. Anyways, what are we talking about? Um, so we're actually talking about a case that was suggested to us by a fellow Toasty. Um, it was Lewis. He emailed us one day, and, you know, we've been kind of thinking about doing this story on and off on the back burner because it could, you know, it could be very political at some points. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes we try to avoid that. But I think in this sense, this case definitely needs to be heard. So I do really, really want to thank him for bringing it to our attention. 
Um, yes, thank you, Toasty, yeah. for that. And thank you to all the Toasties that give us su- suggestions. And again, just Absolutely. a reminder to you guys that that gave us suggestions. We have them on our list, and we're not forgetting about them. We just have ones that are kind of already pre- pre-planned out. And then we have ones that we feel like are meant for certain times. Correct. Like this one. Yep. So this is, um, a lot of people remember this. It's not that far back. Uh a lot of people call it Central Park Five or the Exonerated Five. But this happened in New York City. And this is, I don't want to discredit what happened to this woman. I don't go into a whole lot of detail about her. Um, I more want to pay attention to what was said so out loud that nobody talked about. So. Let's get into this, okay? Let's do it. So, Trisha Mealy, her body was discovered in New York City's Central Park at 1.30 in the morning on April 20th, 1989. She had been beaten so badly and repeatedly raped that her friends couldn't identify her when they were trying to find someone to identify the body. That's fucked up. The only resemblance that they saw to their friend was a ring that she had worn every single day. That's the only reason why they knew it was her. That is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Now, she did survive this attack and she remained in a coma. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She remained in a coma for nearly two weeks and she retained no memory of the attack whatsoever. In fact, when she actually came out of her coma, she believed the year was 1952. Aww. How old was this woman? uh, She was 28 when it happened. That's weird that she would think that it's a year that she wasn't even alive for. Mm -hmm. Makes you wonder if we really do have those past lives. But Mm -hmm. anyways, despite this, she went on to testify against the five teens who were on trial for her rape and assault. And she wholeheartedly believed that these five teens were the men who attacked her. Mm. At 9 o'clock p.m. on April 19th, 1989, so we're going to the day prior, a group of an estimated 32 teenagers who lived in East Harlem entered Manhattan Central Park at an entrance in Harlem, and it was near Central Park North. Five of these teens of the estimated 32 were Antron McRae, who was 15, Kevin Richardson, who was 14, Youssef Salam, who was 15, Raymond Santana, who was 14, and Corey Wise, who was 16. Hmm. Now, some of the group did commit several attacks, assaults, and robberies against people who were either just walking, biking, or jogging in the northernmost part of the park, um, said to be near the reservoir. And the victims did begin to report incidents to the police. So police were dispatched at 9.30 p.m. to the park. Okay. Now, Trisha, she had left her home at 8.55 p.m. And she entered the east side of Central Park for a jog. She was raped at 9.20 p.m. The teens were on the opposite side of Central Park where they witnessed or could have taken part in terrorizing attacks on a homeless man in the park. Um, Through my research, I couldn't find for sure if they actually participated in uh, bullying this homeless man. The five? Yes. Okay. I just know there was a lot of mischief that went down that night. Okay. But anyways, like I said, Trisha was not found till 1.30 a.m. 
And where she was found, there was a 300 foot long and 18 inch wide trail that led to the woods where her body was dragged and dumped. Hmm. The rest of the surrounding ground was not disturbed, which meant there was only two people there that night, Trisha and her assailant. Mm -hmm. The first policeman who saw her, who had discovered her, said, quote, she was beaten as badly as anybody I've ever seen beaten. She looked like she was tortured, end quote. Trisha was so badly injured that, like I said before, she was in a coma for 12 days, but she had severe hypothermia, severe brain damage, severe hemorrhage shock. She lost 75 to 80% of her blood, had internal oh bleeding. Her skull had been fractured so badly that her left eye was dislodged from its socket, which in turn was fractured in 21 places. Oh my gosh. And she survived that. Mm -hmm. So of course, to the NYPD, they didn't think that only one man could do this. That this was I would mean, obviously a group of people who did this to her. I I can understand that with that amount of, you know, whatever to her. I, I don't know why I'm stumbling on a fucking words. That amount of torture to her body. I could see why they think that there's no way one person did this. Especially with that time frame you're giving. It seems very short. Mm -hmm. But police took custody of Raymond Santana and Kevin Richardson, along with three other teenagers approximately at 1015 on Central Park West and 102nd Street. And their interrogations began and continued for over 24 hours. Mm, that's too long. Yep. Too long. So... Antron McRae, Yusuf Salam, and Corey Rice were brought in for questioning later that day on April 20th. We're back to the current day. Mm -hmm. And it was after having been identified by other teens in the large group as participants or present for some of the attacks on other victims. Mm -hmm. Now, by this point, the NYPD had already decided where these teens would fit into their narrative of the rape and the assault. Hmm. And the teens had no idea who Trisha was or that she was even beaten and raped. And the teens' parents or legal representation was not present during these interrogations. Ooh. So the teenagers who became to be known as the Central Park Five by the press, uh, they didn't know each other very well before they got to the police station. Some of them lived in the same building, um, but I wouldn't recall them as friends, maybe acquaintances. They they knew of each other, but they didn't know each other. Well, that sounds almost familiar. Mm -hmm. However, the cops played them against each other. Go figure. They started with Raymond Santana, and they told him that they had evidence that Kevin Richardson had participated in this rape. And if he just helped them build a case against Richardson by placing himself into the crime scene, he would get to go home. Oh, lie number one. Mm -hmm. So they continued to do this to each of the boys. And they made each of the boys believe that they were acting just merely as witnesses to the crime. Hmm. Instead of participating in the crime. And through the tapes, you learn that it escalates each time they tell the story. They add something to it. Something that they don't think will damage their their case. Reputation. Right. Not even reputation. Something that won't damage their case in all of this. Um, right. For one instance, 
one said that, you know, at first they all said they didn't have anything to do with it. But we know over time of interrogation, you know, especially at such a young and vulnerable age, mm-hmm. you're more than likely going to cave. But he had claimed he had did nothing to Trisha um, except touch her breasts. But that's how he could put himself there without participating in the crime. Okay. Um, but the cops just heard you touched her. That's all they mm-hmm. needed. And that's not the part that they used at trial. They said something completely different than other what he said. Mm, go figure. So since 1989, 27% of 325 people exonerated through DNA testing have originally confessed to their crimes. And this is according to a recent study released by Craig J. Trocino, a professor at the University of Miami School of Law and director of Miami Law Innocence Clinic. And he states that confessions often affect trials and sentencing more than DNA evidence. So we're saying even if you have the DNA and it says you weren't there, you didn't do it. But if you made a stupid mistake in an interrogation room because you're tired, you're scared, you want to go home, you're young, you don't know what to do without authority, all of that can still be used against you. Mm-hmm. Even though we have scientific proof that you weren't there. Yeah. So, Trocina goes on to say, a key reason for false confessions comes down to interrogation tactics. And in the case of minors, like our Central Park Five, having an adult who understands their rights in the room was neglected is another interrogation tactic. What the NYPD basically made the irrational seem rational by turning the world on its head until all of a sudden it made sense for these teens to confess to something that they didn't do. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it is perfectly legal for police officers to lie during interrogations about the evidence against a suspect. And that's exactly what they did. In Yusuf Salam's interrogation, the police admitted they had lied to Yusuf when they were questioning him. They told Yusuf his fingerprints could be found on the jogging shorts of the victim. And that was perfectly legal. But yet Mm. it's still illegal for us to lie in a court of law. Yeah. There's a double standard there. Uh Uh-huh. But anyways, in the end, after copious amounts of interrogation... Four of the five boys falsely confessed. Oh, no. And even though there was no DNA linked to them to the crime scene, and their descriptions of the victim's clothing and injuries didn't match the crime scene. No, go figure. They They weren't there. Yeah. They were convicted. Mm. The NYPD, numerous politicians, and the media convicted these children before they even stood trial. Mm. and the media politicians and even their own community attacked these five teens before they even left the interrogation rooms with crude headlines like wilding teens held in rape wolf packs prey central park nightmare and of course this with these headlines and there's no trial yet nothing's been released but with these headlines now we have a community that is overly aware of only one bias headline Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're going to seek out their own justice, which they did. And there was many protests and picket signs reading adult crimes, adult punishments. And one of the many men to jump on their bandwagon, um, I will note that he was not in politics at this time, was Donald Trump. 
and he established the worst headline yet. Trump had paid four major New York City newspapers to publish full-page ads, including the New York Times, calling for the state to adopt the death penalty for the killers. Oh my gosh. He made it very clear that he was voicing his opinion because of the rape insult of Trisha Mealy. He stated, quote, I want to hate these murderers, and I always will. I am not looking to psychoanalyze them or understand them. I am looking to punish them, end quote. So the headline to his ad read in all caps, bring back the death penalty and bring back our police. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was all while current mayor, um, don't know how to say his name, but I'm going to go with Notch, continued to call the teens monsters in front of the media into the tabloids. It's here I will note that Notch was a white man. As we know, Donald Trump is a white man. The boys, four of them were black and one was mixed. He was black and Hispanic. Um, Just to put it into perspective, in June in 1990, the New York Times characterized the attack on the jogger, Trisha, as one of the most widely publicized crimes of the 1980s. Glad they specified that timing. So they had all stood a trial before they had even gotten trial. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I can't put into words how much the media and the politicians and the community, even their own community, damned these teens without a fair trial. Um, isn't that a constitutional right that we have? Yeah. That you're supposed to have a fucking fair trial? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It was mm-hmm. already being taken away from us back then, guys. Correct. And this was definitely a case built upon race, power, and politics. As I said, it was unfair before it began. And you had the four black teens, one Hispanic teen, who fit the crime narrative in America at the time. Hmm. Or even still a lot of times today. All while another major rape and crimes were not covered because it was black on black crime. For example, at the same time Trisha was raped and attacked, another woman in New York City was raped and thrown off a rooftop in Brooklyn. Oh my gosh. And there was no headlines, there was no protests, nor was there any picket signs to demand justice for her life. Oh, she lo- she died. Mm-hmm. So... All I'm going to say about that is that interracial rapes are treated differently. I was going to say, I assume Trisha was white. Mm -hmm. So while all evidence was not there and the DNA did not match the teens, the prosecution fought this by stating to the media, just because we didn't catch all of them doesn't mean we didn't get some of them. Insinuating that there was a sixth person there, that that's why the DNA didn't match. Uh-huh. Antron, Kevin, Youssef, and Raymond all served seven years of their five to ten year maximum sentence. Corey, who was 16 at the time, was sentenced as an adult. And he was sentenced to five to 15 years in Rikers Island. He served 13 of them. Now, Golly. each teen did turn away plea deals before sentencing. Good. Because, you know, they're claiming and fighting for their innocence. They didn't want a plea deal. They wanted their freedom. Mm-hmm. And they continued to do this at each parole hearing. And they were denied at each parole hearing because they would not admit 
guilt. I don't blame them. They were good prisoners. They didn't cause a lot of trouble in, in the prison. Uh, a few of them actually got their college degree while we were good still offering them. education in the prison systems. By all means, they looked like they would be people eligible for parole, especially mm-hmm. in New York City, where you have such a high crime rate and such a high populations in our prison system. Right. Now, Corey would have gone to, on to serve all 15 years had he not met Mateus Reyes in the TV room while in prison fighting over the control for the channel. Mateus Reyes was a serial rapist who was arrested and caught on August 5th, 1989 on the Upper East Side of New York City. Hmm. Trisha, who's our victim, was an investment banker who worked on Wall Street and lived on the Upper East Side. And got a clip. All of the jogger defendants have gone home except one, Corey Weiss. He was the eldest of the group convicted and he had the longest sentence. And he had stopped going to the parole board, didn't even bother going anymore to deny his guilt. One day in late 2001, Mateus Reyes meets him at the Auburn prison. This was the first time they had seen each other since 1989, when both of them were at Rikers Island. And at that time, they had a, uh, a, a little incident in the TV room, and uh, it, it, it almost, you know, escalated to blows. He said, I would like to apologize to you. you know, we, we had a fight, Rikers Island, about the TV, so forth. So we said, it ain't about nothing, man. <laughs> We had. <laughs> it's not going to free neither one of us. Don't worry about it. Reyes doesn't say anything to him, but he starts talking to people in the prison. Hey, I met somebody who's doing time for a crime that he didn't have anything to do with that I did myself. They send up an investigator and takes this statement. They send it down to the Manhattan DA's office, which has no idea that this case from 13 years earlier which has long been stored and forgotten by everybody except the people involved, is suddenly going to come back to life. I showed her the top of the entrance, the direction she came by. I showed her where I picked up the tree branch and down the road where I dragged the branch. I'm the one that did this. When I saw Curry Rice and Open, I saw in his eyes, you know, the suffering that he's been going through. To know that a man has suffered 13 years of his life in jail is something that he has not done. To know that all these kids got arrested for something that they didn't do. You want to know something? I've done everything possible that I can come forward and admit the truth. I'm to the point where people don't do something or, what's, or they don't do what's right. Hey, there's nothing else I can do. To hear this, after all the trials and tribulations that I done been through, the scuffle, the jumping on, the stabbing, The whole unneeded package, it felt so good. 
No way. Mm -hmm. The fuck? Yep. Unlike the five teens, Mateus had told the truth during his interrogation now. Um, he, as we heard from the clip, he had gone back to the police and told them that he had done this crime um, and that the five teens had not. And it was solely just him alone. I wonder what made him do that, unless you're going to go into that. Not a whole lot. I think it was more so just the guilt after seeing Corey in the TV so, room. It was really fucked up that, that that's what made you feel guilty. Not what you did, you motherfucker. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he, this kid looked so upset. Yeah. I mean, the kid should have never been in that fucking situation to begin with. If you had not fucking did what you did, you mm -hmm. dipshit. Well, I'm not trying to make excuses for Mateus or anything, but I think he he was also a kid himself and he lived on his own and was surviving by stealing items. Either way, it doesn't make it right, but I think no. due to him being on his own, he didn't have his own set of morals, if that makes sense. That's like kind of saying Pedro did what he did because of his his lifestyle and that it makes it seem like it's okay a little bit. And it's, no. No. I'm, I, I can't. No, it doesn't, okay. it doesn't make it okay. But Pedro did do a lot of what he did due to his upbringing. Mm-hmm. And because saying, he like, d didn't, was never established those morals. Right. I'm just saying, like, the fact that you almost murdered a woman didn't make you feel guilty. No. But. And it wasn't just one. See, it was many that he had already done this right. to. <clears throat> right. But seeing a kid upset is what made you feel guilt like that's just kind of fucked up logic in my head it is it is um i don't know much about him so i can't really speak for him right no that but that's... i am glad he finally did speak up yeah I, I guess you get half a brownie point for that <laughs> um but he did know facts and details that were never released and he completed facts that police couldn't explain until his statement and above all his dna matched the DNA collected from Trisha's body. So, so was and you said he was a kid himself. Like, mm -hmm. was he a big kid? No, like you know, like no. I'm just like impressed, a little. But if he's a serial rapist and he's been doing this for a while, Trisha must have been tiny or something. I don't know. I'm just impressed with the because, like, I could definitely understand the police's thought process being like, "There's no way one person alone could have done this." Well, I don't because you only have one trail mark. Well, that person could have dumped and one person could have dumped him, dumped her. But I'm saying like the amount of damage that was done to that poor girl's body, I could understand why the police were like, there has to be one, there has to be more than one person. But still, that's where most of the evidence was collected, where her body was found. So right. it makes you think things happened right there. He may have knocked her out over here, but it happened over there, and it's only 18 okay. inches wide. Okay, that's not enough for three people. No, no. It's barely enough for one. Right. But anyways, December 19th, 2002, all indictments against the Central Park Five were dismissed. And in 2003, the five filed a civil rights lawsuit against the city of New York, the NYPD, and the prosecutors who had worked towards their conviction. Good. Um, it took many, many, many years for them to settle. But in 2014, the city did settle, and the teens walked away with $41 million collectively. 
And since then, the prosecutor, Fairstern, has since said, I think Mateus Reyes ran with that pack of kids. He just stayed longer when others moved on. He was the one that completed the assault. So she's still saying that these teens shouldn't have been released, that they were still there. They were still part of the crime, even though evidence and a new confession says otherwise. But you didn't even know what year it was. No, this wasn't Trisha. This was the prosecutor. Oh, Oh, well, fuck you too. Now, I do know, and I kind of left it out because I didn't want her to receive any kind of nasty comments after what she's been through. But I think she was completely on the prosecution, the police side about who did what, even though she couldn't remember anything. Oh, Trisha. I was about to say that. I was like, when I said, you know, bitch, you probably don't even, you don't even remember what year it was is because of her mind being so fogged and not knowing what year it was, she was probably told it was these guys. Correct. And convinced like the boys were that that's who it was. And they needed her to identify them to finish that conviction. Correct. And because the way that her brain was at, it was so fucking jambled. She didn't know how to think for herself. No. And- so I don't, I don't, think she deserves any type of hate by any means because of that situation mm-hmm. um all in all it's just a, a really sad story it's like the west memphis three i was and gonna say west memphis three the beatrice six i mean we see it happen a lot um unfortunately in this case race played a lot into it um yeah and it was a lot of people that were big people back in the day that said a lot of things that made this so big that they put their two cents into it when they shouldn't have. No. And were any apologies made when this all came out? I'm going to tell you. So good. I will tell you that of course, as I just discussed, the prosecutor did not apologize. She still believed that the boys um, had committed this crime along with Reyes, but because she's a dick. In 2019, which is now President Trump, he had not apologized and instead said, you have people on both sides of that. They admitted their guilt. If you look at Linda Fairstern and if you look at some of the other prosecutors, they think that the the city should have never settled that case. So we'll just leave it at that. End quote. And the fuck's that supposed to mean? Well, this is very similar to his statement that he made in reaction to deadly violence at a white nationalist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017. A woman was killed after a driver slammed his vehicle into counter protests. And at the time, the president said there was blame on both sides. So he's just I, I, I get what we're saying here. But when it comes to the situation with the Charlottesville, he didn't get involved in that. He didn't put out public articles saying any negative thing about them. They're like, you both messed up. No, but as the president of the country, he should have acknowledged what happened. Instead, he should have. He basically said they were both in the wrong, that they both deserved it because they were both wrong. And that's what I'm getting at, though, is like with that situation, yes, he could, he should have acknowledged it, whatever, yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, he did not get on any type of articles blasting 
one person versus the other. He just said, you both fucked up. In this situation, it's totally fucking different. You put out ads. Mm -hmm. Blasting these children. Saying they should die. Saying that they should die. And at the end of the day, yeah, the kids messed up because of the fact that they, they, you know, whatever, admitted to something they didn't do. However... 24 plus hours of interrogation will make anybody fucking say anything Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. We have done multiple stories now of people who are put in those situations and they break. Mm -hmm. You break them. That is the whole point of an interrogation is to break them. And yes, they admitted to something they didn't do. However, they were broken. Mm -hmm. And you put out ads that they should die. Mm -hmm. So this isn't a matter of you both fucked up. This is, you know what? You admitted to something. I was going along with what I'm, you know, the facts that are brought to my mm-hmm. attention, and I fucked up. You say you fucked up in that situation because in that situation you fucked up, but massively. The point I'm driving across is that they don't admit fault in any kind of situation. They don't address any kind of fault. They never have, and they never will. Of course not. Wonder why? Yeah. <laughs> come down over there <laughs> so Antron, Kevin, Yusef Raymond and Corey their innocence never ever ever got the same attention as their guilt of course not because that would be that people would have to accept that they fucked up mm-hmm. see I know exactly what fucking happened it was a massive crime against a white woman no offense trisha and there was a big group of teenagers already you got that against you you fucking teenagers and then the you throw the color into the situation it just the recipe for Mm -hmm. instant disaster for them and that crime scared people Mm -hmm. so they had to fix it right away and they had to peg it on someone well you got colored teens in in a group there you go instant Instant answer for you. Now we'll take care of it. Everybody's safe because they got them. Mm-hmm. And that's always been our narrative. Yes. And it's fucking bullshit. Oh. Rather than doing their job correctly and actually investigating things and looking into fucking things, they wanted to slap a Band-Aid on it thinking it's going to be okay to, cu- to hide. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A gaping fucking wound that's gushing from mm-hmm. every orifice. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Meanwhile, not only did, you know, Trisha go through what she went through, but, you know, these teens, they were tortured, they were harassed, they were mentally abused, and they were falsely convicted. And it was all to fit a narrative by those in power. So they didn't have to say, we fucked up. And ultimately, these now men lost their youth, they lost their families, and most importantly, they lost their freedom. And that doesn't go away from them. Money doesn't fix that. And they still struggle and they still have to get up and fight every single day for what happened, even though they've their names have been cleared. But this the state of New York still says we didn't do anything wrong. I mean, that's not justice. No, it's not fucking. They were just threw money at them to make them shut up and go away. Yes. And like I said, we literally had this conversation when it came to the Beatrice Six, that was a group of people that were low intelligence, 
except for one of them, and that was the only one that actually fought. Mm-hmm. And never, ever, no matter what interrogation he went through, never admitted it. As the first person in these stories that I've ever heard of that never broke, but he had military experience and knows what that shit mm-hmm. is. And that is his, was his advantage. The rest of them, their IQs were so low, and they were people of of a different community that most people look down on and find expendable. Yeah. And they got their themselves exonerated. They got their money. But people still were like, nah, they did it. Because they said they did it. Why would they say they did it if they didn't do it? Because you don't know what the fuck they've been through to get to that point where they say they did it. One woman was so fucking convinced because of the interrogation and her mental capacity that even though they had proof laid at her face saying she didn't do it, she still believed she did it. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't convince her otherwise because of that was her mental capacity. And then we move forward to our, our West Memphis three that you talked about and those boys who were placed in a place because of you know, satanic panic and devil worshiping, but they looked the part of that. So they were instantly pegged on mm-hmm. that situation. They of fit those the poor narrative. Three little boys, they fit the fucking narrative. And now here we are today with this fucking story and it's the same fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Either way, either way. I'm heated, guys. I can I'm tell. sorry. Oh my gosh. Tell. That's how I was when I first went over this. But, um, you know, I tried to leave this and very black and white and I'll explain here in just a moment but either way everyone makes mistakes and you either face them or you don't um the press never faced their mistake in crucifying the five teens without evidence the NYPD did not face their mistake for corrupt interrogations or the fact that they let women be raped and murdered simply by the fact that they didn't investigate this further because had they have they would have caught Reyes and had they caught him sooner more women would be alive or they wouldn't be raped and it would have saved the lives of five teens but that's not what they did though they didn't do it because they were in way too deep and That was the part I was trying to drive home with Trump's verbiage on what he has said, because it's a perfect example of institutional protectionism. It's an agenda. And unfortunately, it's all we see now happening in our government on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, Now, as I just said i have kept the story to the facts and i have tried to leave out all emotion this is probably one of the first stories i didn't go into a whole lot of detail because i wanted just the facts and if you listen to this and you could see just the facts then you're not as bad as them and i know sometimes a lot of us struggle thinking that well Am I just as bad as them? Am I just corrupt? Is that just how Americans are now? But we're not. And to drive a point across as to how easily it is for power to divide us all and influence our opinions and beliefs. (laughs) Because that's exactly what the media does every day. And so if you can look at a story and read 
between the lines and see the truth in it, you're doing okay. You're doing a lot better for your neighbor than you think you are. But it's at a point where we as the people of this country, when do we take back the control? Because we can all see it, but we all don't do anything about it. Were we the people were all black, white, tan, brown, what other color you want to use to describe our skin tones, but that shouldn't matter. Why does it matter? No. We let we let it describe us before we see facts about human beings. And that's all because power has taught us to see a skin tone first. Cut. There's a reason for that. Correct. I'm about to There's a it's a whole history on it. Mm-hmm. I'll, if you are about to, I will not interrupt you. I'm wait. I'm waiting for my moment to interject, and you're not leaving I'm, them there for me. I'm not <laughs> going to go into the whole history. I will say, if you guys educate yourselves, you'd be surprised to learn what's behind the curtain, and it's been staring us in the face all along. And to be honest, you're going to feel dumb when you see it. But I am going to end this by saying if they can pen us against each other in interrogation rooms to get what they want and still seem like the good guys, why can't they do it in our media? Why can't they do it in our Capitol buildings? And why can't they do it in our White House? It's just simply what we said before in Jim Jones. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Educate yourselves. Stand up for what is right. And see others' point of view before reacting. Read the facts. Ultimately, don't give them what they want. Because the media and the government are going to construe it to fit their narrative. And united we stand and divided we will always fall. And we're a lot bigger than them. And I think we forget how big we are compared to our government. And... They say segregation has ended. Yeah, we can use the same bathrooms. We can go to the same schools. We can drink out of the same fountains. But if you see through the devil's cloth, modern segregation is thriving. They're using it against all of us. No, are we doing it in plain sight? Are we abusing the black community like we were? No, but we're finding other ways to go around it. They are getting smarter. So that's why it's important to educate yourself. These corrupt leaders are pulling wool over everybody's eyes. Everybody's. And it's time for it to come to an end. And we shouldn't any longer be pinning things against each other. We shouldn't be fighting over these stupid conversations like genders and all that it's at the end of the day if it makes that person happy is it your business does it hurt you if it doesn't then shut up it's not your business if it's not hurting anyone and it's not hurting you leave it alone but we've got to realize that we will stand up for each other and we will no longer let them be in control we the people we are humans We're not tools in a master scheme to keep the corrupt in power. That's not how it's going to work. It's time to change the narrative. 
And honestly, it is, it's one love because united we stand. And if you can't get behind that, then I don't think this country is right for you. And that's okay. Because that's not what this country was built for. But that was my soapbox. I saved all my emotion till the end. <laughs> Missy, I know you're over there dying. I was, I was going to let you have your soapbox. Oh, I'm. She's fuming, guys. I oh, try to stay. I try to stay very. Okay, black here's and the thing. White. Here's the thing. You were able to stay very black and white. You stayed to just the very. I mean, we can go into a whole. That could have been the crime itself. Could have been its own story, and then what happened in the end could have been its own whole story. And this whole mm -hmm. conversation could be a whole story. Yep. But you kept it very the synopsis of what happened and very just details of the facts. This, this, this loved that and i'm already fucking pissed just from that pissed fuming oh my gosh guys there's a reason i keep my hair red <laughs> um the lack of apologies pisses me the fuck off mm -hmm. to no end and i've been talking about this now for a while and the sense of the modern segregation thing that you're talking about and stuff like that and how like i know you don't want to go into history but i'm going to give a quick synopsis of this history lesson it has nothing to do with race no. and the color of our fucking skin. It has to do with class and an elite class and then us. That elite is running our country. Mm -hmm. But the media, which they fucking own, is going to tell us it's race. Why? So that we can hate our, each other. We can kill each other. We can attack each other. We can harm each other mm -hmm. so that they don't have to do it. They don't have to take us out. We'll take each other out. It is definitely a divide and conquer. Fucking kids do that with their parents. And what are we? We're the fucking parents and they're the children. Correct. And they're dividing us and conquering us, taking everything, everything. And that has been going on since this country started. They just got better at hiding it and using it in different ways. I don't know if most people, you know, know <gasps> this and... This is kind of to drive home what Missy said, that it's the class of the elite running this. But in 1964, when Jim Crow was still around, the Democrats filibustered the movement. But I also want you to know the Democrats at that time were Republicans. And the Republicans were Democrats. They switched their beliefs in parties. There's no real two-party system. They're all in it no, together. They, eat, they all eat breakfast at the same table. Correct. They all have dinner at the same table. They Correct. all have drinks together at the same table. And they're still doing that to this mm -hmm. day. Even though the, everyone thinks it's a fight, they're still doing it to this fucking day. Mm -hmm. I mean. They don't care. Where do you think the author of Hunger Games got their idea? It's essentially right? the same. No, it's not that Hollywood dramatic but it's not far off. No, we're already killing each other. Everybody's quick to slap versus hug. Mm -hmm. Everybody's quick to point a finger, clutch their pearls as they're walking down the fucking street. Yep. Or blame somebody else before they admit their own fault. It's okay to say you're wrong and fix the situation. It's not okay to prejudge each other and harm each other because that's the narrative we're being fed. No, it's not. 
And it's getting ridiculous. It's getting so sad and, and so ridiculous. And I want to I want to be that guy out there holding the holding the poster with the blindfold, being like, "Just hug me." Yeah, <laughs> I'm that person. I want to do that for every single fucking person I come in contact with. It takes everything in me not to just randomly hug people, and I don't even fucking like to be touched. But I just feel like everybody needs one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you all are beautiful. You all are wonderful. Nobody should hate at the level that we are fucking hating. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in my in my life, now I grew up in the North, so I don't know what it was like down here for you, but there was a time in my life that I never witnessed this stuff before. No, this was- And then was... All, of a, all of a sudden, this shift happened and I start to see it. And I'm over here like, has it always been this way? And I'm just now seeing it because we have social media and every, I mean, mm-hmm. you have media that your fucking fingertips every damn day. And- so I'm like, maybe that's why I'm like, it's brought to my attention more. Like that's, that's the one thing like I hear all the time. People are like, oh, the world is so crazy. It's so bad. It's so bad. No, it's always been fucking bad. You just now are aware of it because you have it at your fucking fingertips all the damn time. However, this type of level of hate has been going on for years. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's really fucking crazy is when I was a kid, well, teenager, whatever, you had fucking black eyed peas singing, where's the love? Mm-hmm. And that song's still fucking relevant. And then you got fucking John Mayer going, waiting on the world to change. Yeah. That's still fucking relevant. And that was in what? That one song was in 2008. And Black Eyed Peas, Where Is The Love, was even fucking before that. You've got songs going way back to the, the 70s that are the same. But I think slowly more and more people are starting to open their eyes and realize what's going on. But... I think it could go a little faster if we were all a little kinder and nicer to each other and realize we're not the ones that should be fighting against each other. No. And this is not by any means to disregard that race, you know, still isn't an issue because it is. But this is to say that the only way that we can fix it is taking it down from where it started, from for making our government responsible and make them uphold their mistakes and apologize. I was trying to look up when that song even freaking came out. Which but it one? had the <laughs> Where's the Love because it had literally one of the best lyrics ever written. And I was looking that up and it's it had to have been around the time. I'm sure I can look this up again, whatever. Y'all can hop on the TikToks and tell me. But overseas, yeah, we're trying to stop terrorism, but we still have terrorism here living in the USA, the big CIA, the Bloods, the Crips, and the KKK. But if you only have love for your own race, then you only leave space to discriminate. Mm -hmm. And to discriminate only generates hate. And when you hate, you're bound to get irate. Yep. Yep. Perfectly So love each other. Love thy neighbor. Love each other. Also, White Stripes. They had a really good lyric in Icky Thumb. <laughs> and that one just dropped out of my brain. It was saying, who's who's and who? What should we do? Well, you can't be a pimp and a prostitute, too. It was talking about the government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Best lyric ever. That was another really good one. But I'm just, I'm so fuming that I can't even get my shit straight on what I'm trying to say. So I sound <laughs> stupid as hell, but I know what I'm talking about, guys. I'm sorry. 
I'm just, this topic, it's, it needs to start being said. It really does. Mm-hmm. It needs to be start talking about. I'm seeing it on TikTok and, and Facebook and Instagram and the reels and stuff like that. People are, are starting to talk about it. And I'm so happy people are starting to talk about it because it's a situation that nobody's af- is everybody's afraid to talk about. Everybody's afraid to voice because at the end of the day, and I still hear it to this day, is what does it matter? Nothing will change. And that is why it won't fucking change because you don't say something. Like I said, you don't stand up for it. Y'all don't realize how much bigger we are than our government. That's all I'm saying. But facts. I think we should put this the story to rest for the night so we can both rest. I want everybody to just go quickly watch Schoolhouse Rock, though, when it <laughs> explains your branches of government. Correct. So you understand which branch does what. And that'll really open your eyes on what really needs to happen. I'm going to leave it there. Schoolhouse Rock. Go watch it. Make sure you follow us on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and message us on all of them if you want. That's cool. We're down for all the love. Yes. Because we love you guys. And again. We love you all so much. Again, I want to thank Lewis. Thank you so much for bringing this case to my attention. It was was perfect. Thank, Thank you to Lewis. For the case. Yes. And again, back, uh, I made a comment about this this person at our last episode. Thank you to Raul, I believe is the name. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so sorry if I get that wrong, on TikTok, who actually inspired the story to go in this direction. Correct. Because one love. That is all it's about, guys. Love each other. Because we all love you. From all walks of life, we fucking love you. Yes, we do. And wherever you need to hear that from us, like I said... Shout out to us, and we will shout it right back at you. We we love you guys, and I had to go put myself to bed because I'm I'm I still I'm gonna fume for a little bit longer on this one. Yeah, I gotta go. My tummy still hurts, and I I don't want to poop myself sitting here. That may have been TMI, but I gotta go, guys. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, until next time. Bye. bye.